Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Star Wars 7x7 episode 2768. Today it's the second half of my interview with Mark Thompson, the narrator of so many incredible audiobooks, including most recently The Fallen Star, which is Claudia Gray's novel kicking off wave three of phase one of the mega enormous stupendous High Republic storytelling initiative. Punch it! Hey Rebel Razor, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy, and thank you so much for joining me for it. So once again, Mark Thompson earned his BFA from New York University's Tisch School of the Arts in 1997. His voice can be heard on commercials, on radio, and on many cartoons, including MTV's Daria, Pokemon, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Yu-Gi-Oh!, G.I. Joe Sigma-6, Wonder Pets, Welcome to the Wayne, and Peking Duckling, to name just a very few. He's been the narrator or co-narrator or part of the vocal cast of more than a hundred audiobook recordings, including dozens of Star Wars titles and most recently The Fallen Star. He also did The Rising Storm by Kevin Scott and Light of the Jedi by Charles Sewell, so he's focused on the adult novels in this High Republic storytelling initiative, and we are talking about the fallen star in our conversation with him. He was even helpful with a tech issue that I had with recording this for you. So kudos to him for so many things. And in this part of the conversation, I asked him about Stellan Geos. I picked a character to say, hey, can you talk about how you developed the characterization for him and how that characterization has evolved over the course of three novels from Light of the Jedi to the Rising Storm to the Fallen Star. I also talked to him about his particular proclivity for narrating action scenes in the voice or style of the character who is primarily experiencing that action scene. And also, we talked about the circumstances under which the audiobook was recorded because of course things are unusual in the world these days and we also talk about what he has next on tap so without further ado here is the rest of my conversation with mark thompson audiobook narrator extraordinaire and yeah i'm so glad that you you know, dug into the characterization aspect of it too because i wanted to ask you specifically about stellan geos and to avoid spoilers i have a reason for asking about stellan specifically but let's just leave it at that um <laughs> but stellan's a character who doesn't really appear in the comics too much yeah. um and you know, he's certainly one of the i guess most I'll hesitate to say most important Jedi, but he's certainly one of the, like the big three along with Avar Chris yeah. and Elzar Man, yeah, yeah. and gets to the council. And yeah, there's been a lot of attention given to him. And yet we only really know him from the novels for the most part. So True. can you talk about him in specific? Like when you encounter this character, what is your thought process for determining what his voice and your narrative performance of him is going to be like and you know has it um has it evolved for you over the three novels that he's been in yeah um well i liked this idea 
that he was kind of the emblem of like kind of the the poster boy for the jedi like in, in terms of like you know excellence and you know kind of that striving for nobility and, and selflessness and yeah and like yeah and and uh you know so so i think i i i i wanted to kind of make him perhaps more of a stereotypical jedi like what we think of when we think of the jedi based you know when we first got introduced to these characters and um you know and i i so i i, I kind of have that kind of faux brit accent on him and, or you know or uh it, it's a little it's i i kind of um was picking like I, I was kind of picturing like a Chris Hemsworth when he's doing Thor type thing, you know, when I when I is, is a way for me to have a touchstone or an anchor to go to. But mm-hmm. I, I kind of felt like that voice would uh, embody kind of that uh, poster boy of the Jedi and and kind of you know, you know the the one, you know, it, it's interesting because a lot of the other Jedi perhaps maybe have like these blatant flaws that are more obvious that you see. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, and I, you know, it was, I, there's something about Stellan's kind of nobility and selflessness and, and wanting, wanting to be good, like, like that, the desire to kind of be that poster boy in a way um, was something that I was latching on to. And I think what Claudia did with Stellan in this, in Fallen Star, it kind of caught me off guard, but it really like, I really related to it in a way that I was kind of like, oh man, because she delves into this idea of like, when you have that pressure on you, uh, where you feel like you have to represent this, the, the entire Jedi order and everyone's looking to you. And, you know, especially after the events of the Republic fair um, and, you know, people seeing him saving Chancellor So, and like you, there's this kind of weight of the galaxy on your shoulders of, you can't mess up and you can't, you know, because everyone's looking to you for inspiration, you know, and just, and uh, she really delved into like, what does that do to a person? Like, what is that? How does that affect someone? And, and what if um, all that's taken away? What, what does that do? Like when that's kind of how you have built your identity around, I am this. And then when your connection to the force is taken away and you don't have that anymore, then who are you, you know? And like, um, I, you know, I, I, I try to find different things that I relate to in all the characters, but like, I do perhaps relate to that idea of like, I want to be a good person and I want to be the best I can be at things I do, but like, you know, what happens, what, like, I felt, I felt kind of relating to Stellan where I can sometimes put this pressure on myself of, you know, wanting to live up to this ideal standard of, of what I'm trying to be or what maybe people's image of you are. Um, and then when you fall short of that, you know, how do you handle that or how do you deal with that? And so, I don't know, I was, I was connecting to it on these very deep spiritual levels, I guess you could say. And like, uh, and it, it, uh, I don't know, like this book stuck with me, Fallen Star stuck with me in a way where there, there's things that happen to Elzar, there's things that happen to Stellan that I was really connecting to on a really deep personal level that I wasn't prepared for. And I was like, wow, this is really, it kind of, you know, it's one of those things where like, I kept thinking about it well after the record was done well after, you know, and like, mm-hmm. um, so it's, uh, I'm, I'm dancing around it. Cause like, you know, like we said, I'm trying not to spoil anything for anybody, but it's <laughs> yeah. like, mm-hmm. there's uh there's just, I don't know. There's just, I, I just felt like his character development, w- w- you know, I, I felt 
that that was something that I hadn't thought about until Fallen Star happened. Cause you asked me like how it maybe it changed over the course of the books. And like, right. That was definitely an aspect of Stellan that I had not considered. And then once I did consider it, I was like, wow, that's really deep. And that, that really, I relate to that, you know, like I can, I can, I can feel that way sometimes. Yeah. Cause it sure did seem like over the course of the first two, that he was kind of striving for the position that he wound up in by the time he was at the end of the rising storm. I mean, not that he would have wished any sort of catastrophe to happen, obviously, yeah. but to be seen as that heroic person in that moment, I feel like, you know, part of his journey was actually striving for that. And so, yeah, when confronted with the possibility of, well, who are you without that striving where, you know, where's the core of your identity other than what you want the public to see of you and think of you is, yeah, you're right. It's a really deep thing for sure. And Elzar's situation was probably one of the most shocking moments of this whole thing. And we're going to end up dancing around that too. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you've read The Fallen Star, if you're listening to this and you've read The Fallen Star, or if you listen to Mark's performance, then obviously you know what we're talking about. But that one, you know, the idea of how unstable he was with his connection to the light side of the force by the end of The Rising Storm, knowing that he was going through for all intents and purposes, a rehab process in a, wow, yeah, after yeah. a fashion. And then being thrust into a situation that he should not have been thrust into at that juncture of his recovery. Again, yeah. for lack of a better way of putting it, and with full respect for you know, actual rehab processes, of course. But you could tell that we were really risking Elzar's, you know, mental health and choices and what, you know, what might happen as a result. And oh boy, did it go bad. <laughs> and what's he going to do now? <laughs> like, that's the thing that I can't stop thinking about is like, because I was, one of the things I loved in Rising Storm was I loved that he chooses to get help. And I felt like I had never really seen that portrayed in, um, this type of storytelling before, like, yeah. the, like the kind of the normalization of, okay, he messes up, but you see him change. You see him say, okay, I need help right now and I'm going to get help. Mm -hmm. And and that was, I remember being really impressed by that. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Cause like, it was almost like, you know, reading that I was always like, what, what would the universe be like if Anakin had done that? Like if he had just, you know, like done what Elzar did, like, you know, like, and so it was so cool to see him you know, see him get tempted, but then come back. And, but now it's like, well, what's he going to do? You know, like it's just in, and just uh, like all his, you know, a lot of his help is being taken away, but yeah, like, it's, I don't know. I was, uh, I was, it's going to be intense. I can't, I can't wait to see what happens next. <laughs> yeah. And they're not going to tell us for a while. I don't think that's considering... right. Because phase two. <sighs> yeah. Is what do you be in the past? Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm guessing you probably found out about that the same time we all found out about that. Yes, yes. There was mm -hmm. there was a um, concept art booklet that they gave us when we were doing Light of the Jedi. Um, so I got to see some concept art of of uh, some things that I think are going to show up in Phase Two, mm. but I didn't know. I was a little confused, like, "Well, what's this?" Like, because like it didn't <laughs> seem to fit into this timeline. But now I'm like, "Oh, that's what that you know," and that's going to make sense. So like I. I saw some pictures, but I, I, but it was basically that announcement. And I was like, oh, wait, what? Like, they're going back in time. <laughs> so that'll be fun. That'll be interesting. 
Yeah, so now we're on a ridiculous cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Say the least. Yeah, I think my fear is that Elzar is not going to say anything this time and just cover it up. I mean, he has the ability to do that because there's no there's no witnesses to, you know, yeah. what happened at this point. But yeah, uh, well, I guess the High Republic folks have a good year or more to figure out how they <laughs> want to yeah, approach yeah. that one. Right, right, right. Uh, so I'd love to ask you another question about your process and i don't know whether this is particularly unique to you i I feel like it is i've listened to a lot of star wars audiobooks and i feel like this is something that i'm used to more with you than i am with other narrators so when you narrate action scenes my experience of your work is that if you are narrating an action scene from the point of view of a particular character then your narration of the scene actually takes on some of the quality that you imbue in that character's vocal performance as well. And I just wanted to know a little bit more about that as part of your process. How did you develop that? Is that something that you've always done or that happened over the course of time? Or I'll try not to do the typical podcaster thing and ask a two minute long question and just let you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No. Um, so basically that was something that I think Kevin and uh, Kevin Thompson directs most of these or a lot of these. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, the way I remember that kind of coming about is I, th- I think Kevin and I decided to do that together. And I, and I think it was like, you know, the, the story I always tell is that like, I think I got hired to do these because I did like to do character voices and, and I had an am- animation background and I, I, you know, would mimic things a lot. And, and, and I, I, I like coming up with different character voices, but when I first started doing the audiobook, um, I would pay a lot of attention to the character voices, but not so much to the prose and the kind of just, you know, like they walked into a room and there were four, four gray walls and they, you know, this light. And, you know, I always kind of thought <laughs> that stuff was boring. Uh, and, and Kevin pointed that out one day, he was like, you know, this stuff is really entertaining, but when you get to these prose sections, these straight narration sections, it's, it's really flat and you gotta, you gotta like think about it as, you know, this is the character's inner monologue. Like the reason the author's telling us all this stuff is like, we're getting inside their head. Like we're finding what the characters are thinking at this moment and how they're perceiving these moments. And, and that kind of unlocked things for me. And then, and then we, um, and Kevin just also, is really great at like understanding I'm going to use this music cue here and I'm going to have these sound effects going. So like he'll, he'll nudge me sometimes and say, okay, you know, we got to keep the pace up here because this is going to be a really intense section or, you know, or, or there's going to be a lot going on. So like, we've got to make sure that we're, you know, it's not getting too soft here. And, you know, so, so we basically uh, kind of made that choice together. And I know, I know there's different approaches to audiobooks. Like I think some, um, some people feel like audiobook narration should be flat and it should be not distracting from the words. And you, sh- you should only just kind of be um, saying the words and then the listener is the one that will do all that imagine in the way that if you were reading it on a page, you know, you'd be imagining all this in your head. And like some people's approach to audiobooks is that um, you don't want to distract from the words and the words should just be kind of presented. And then the listener should kind of fill in all that other stuff, you know, um, but I just personally feel like if you're going to go to the trouble of listening to a book, instead of reading the book, there should be something that is different in that experience. And, and, and so I, I really like working with Kevin, cause I think we're of the same mind on that. And, and, and we do play with like pace and like, you know, uh, intensity and like kind of, you know, 
like you said, describing the action sequence, maybe from this character's POV and the music and the sound effects. And I, cause I, I think that's a, a, a unique experience and kind of like having the movie in your mind type thing. And, and I enjoy much more performing it that way. And, you know, and there's some other books that I've worked on where like I did some kids books um, and we were doing a very famous cartoon intellectual property and I was told that I was not allowed to mimic the cartoon character because they, they, you know, there was, they were worried about it being confused with maybe the actual cartoon or there was some reasoning that they had. And I was like, what, like, why would you mm -hmm. listen to a, a kid's book about this character and not want to hear that character? You know? So like, right. So there's definitely, there's just definitely different approaches, but I, one of the things I love about the star Wars audiobooks is that, with Kevin and I, it does seem like we, or, you know, that, that they, they, we really lean into that and we, and we try to like make it more of a, our interpretation of it, or, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, a more of a, of an audio experience. So, so I, I, I really enjoy that. And, and a lot of that credit goes to Kevin because he's a really great director and can kind of like help figure out the pace of the whole story and, and all that stuff. So. Well, I imagine um, between fiction versus nonfiction that, fiction performances probably lean more toward a more dramatic telling, yeah. if you will. But also, you know, we forget from time to time, this is a space opera, which is basically just a soap opera in space. Yeah, so, yeah. It, you know, drama is kind of part and parcel of the whole yeah. thing. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what can you tell me about the, the circumstances of the recording, considering that things have been so interesting in our yeah. world these days. Yeah, um, yeah. Were you able to be in the studio and record for this or were you recording from your own home setup? Yes. For Fallen Star, we were back in the studio. Oh, um, and what I'm was that to... like to be back in there? Oh, it was awesome. <laughs> it's like so much better. Although it is what was weird is. Um, so it used to be that we were all in the same room and now partly because of COVID and then just partly for convenience, like um, Kevin is directing me remotely. So he's not in the room anymore. And so I will show up to the studio and everybody's got masks on and then they kind of let me in the studio, but then there's no physical, like the, there's no engineer there. The engineer is, is directing remotely and he's like got a computer program that allows him to control the computer from his apartment in the, in the room. So it's just me in the studio by myself <laughs> so oh my gosh and, you know so, so, so it's a weird experience and that you know because it used to be like you'd be there with the engineer and in the director and and you know during breaks everybody's you know hanging out and we'll have lunch together and, and talk and stuff but now it's like you go in you got your mask on you go in the booth you're by yourself somebody you order lunch they, they drop the bag off and then close the door behind you and say you know so it's just it's more oh it wow. definitely is a little more isolating and you know but but at least when I had, I, I did have to record a couple books from home. Um, and, and those were hard on my family just cause I live in a two bedroom apartment. And, you know, uh, at the time, both my boys were home. My oldest is off at college now, but like, you know, I, I was working from home. My wife was working from home and we're trying to like, you know, when I'm recording, it's like diary of Anne Frank, like everybody has to be super quiet and make any noise, <laughs> like, oh, you know, so it's like, it was just like, you know, torture for them. And I felt, I felt bad for them. So the fact that I get to go back in the studio and just yell and scream and not disturb anyone is, is much, much better. I, I prefer it much better. <laughs> How did you have it set up in, in your apartment? Like, do you have your own closet 
Like, were you, I mean, I know some, some folks who were doing audio recording, Bobby Moynihan, I think when he was doing his audio for Tales for the Galaxy's Edge, he was in a closet in wow. his home, as I recall. <laughs> oh, so that's like, awesome. Yeah. It's uh, so basically I didn't, I don't have a closet where it's close enough to my computer. So like I, mm. I went to Home Depot and bought PVC pipe and I basically like built a frame and then I clamp like blankets and stuff to the frame. So I, I make like a little blanket fort um, and I have like, you know, sheets and pillows all around. And, right. so, and that, that seems to be passable. It's not ideal, but it's passable. So <laughs> I would love to know, like, what was the feedback you were getting from like Kevin or from the engineers when you sent in your first audio files? Like, or actually, would you have been live directed while you were trying to do that as well? Yeah, so they, um, I would record natively on my setup, and then they were, we were kind of like what we're doing now through Zoom. Kevin would be on a Zoom call and hearing me, and then I would send the files off to to uh, Justin and Paul, and they and they would edit it and stuff. So, um, so we did okay. It's like every once in a while, you could hear like a garbage truck backing up or like a motorcycle <laughs> going by, or you know, or something so like th there were times most of the times we caught that during recording but um there were there were a couple times where like of course on the day i wanted to record like they decided to like hang up a giant like billboard right outside my apartment and they had this giant truck like just just idling like outside the window i was like come on <laughs> so uh but we, we we got it we we eventually worked it out and we we figured it out so does that happen even in like the best of circumstances? Like, are there, you know, we have reshoots with movies, but you know, an ADR for you know, redoing some of the audio, like, do you ever have reshoots as it were for the, you know, audiobook equivalent thereof? Oh yeah. Like uh, I've had things where um, a couple books ago, a, a fire alarm started going off and you could just like barely hear it through the booth, but it was just enough that we were like, wait, what's going on? Um, today I had to redo an entire chapter because there was a glitch in the software where it recorded at a much lower level on day two than we did on day one. So we had Ooh. to kind of redo a whole chapter. That was not fun. So, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's stuff that happens sometimes and there's like little, you know, that my, my biggest thing is I tend to move around when I'm narrating. So every mm. once in a while I'll hit the music stand or, the chair will creak or a headphone will creak in a weird way. And, you know, so I'll have to kind of uh, do pickups because of that. So <laughs> I love these little tidbits. This is really yeah. awesome. <laughs> this is so cool. So um, you are currently working on something new. I, I not sure if we're allowed to say what it is, but I feel like it's one of those things where it ought to be obvious by now that you are, if not. <laughs> okay, it's on Amazon. So yes, Yay. Uh, I, I'm narrating uh, Wedge's Gamble, which is, uh, I guess, the second book in what they're calling the Rogue Squadron kind of legends thing. Because uh, originally, when they first started doing these, I guess they weren't sure if people would be interested or not, but they, they, they shortened the programs and they abridged them because they were worried maybe people wouldn't want to sit for the full eight or 10 hours or whatever. So, mm -hmm. um, so they did abridged versions of all these. Um, but people, a, a lot of people have been clamoring, like they want the unabridged version. And, and so many people were asking for kind of the unabridged version of some of these legends books that uh, they decided, okay, let's do it. So, um, so they've been doing it for some of them. I think they just did a unabridged production of Shatterpoint, 
Yeah. Uh, and I, and, uh, oh, I'm darn it. I should have remembered his name, but, uh, Sullivan I Jones, that. I think. Sullivan Jones. Yes. Thank you. Like he, he did that and, and people seem to really be liking that. And yeah, we just did rogue squadron. And so now we're actually right now in the middle of recording, uh, wedges gamble. So it's really fun. Yeah. And that comes out April, I believe. Um, uh, uh yes. <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, well, April 5th. <laughs> you will know the moment people start adding you like crazy on. Right, that. right, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, how I find out all my information. Oh, it's out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of, so when people decide that it's time to add you, when something new comes out, where should they go looking for you? Oh, uh, I am uh, Captain Ehud on Twitter, and I think that might be my Instagram as well. And then I'm just my name, Mark Thompson on Facebook, and uh, and that's all of them. Yeah, so, but, yeah. <laughs> and that's Mark with a C, and I will include all yes, of the links. thank you. Yes, yes indeed. Yes. <laughs> I'll include all the links for this in the show notes for this episode. Mark, it is always wonderful to talk with you about this stuff and so great to talk with you about The Fallen Star, your latest and greatest contribution to Star Wars audiobook <laughs> narration. Thank you so much again for joining me on the show. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's always really fun. And there you go. That'll do it for my conversation with Mark Thompson, the narrator of The Fallen Star, as well as The Rising Storm and Light of the Jedi and so many other Star Wars books. He gave his contact information, his socials, just a moment ago. You can get links to those at the blog post for this show's episode at sw7x7.com and in the show notes as well. And that is going to do it for today's show. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it. As always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited Other their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.